Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Overcoming Chronic Illness podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Raid. I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by fellow colleague, Dr. Taylor Bean, um, also a naturopathic doctor. Um, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Bean. And if you don't mind uh, just taking a minute to just tell us a little bit about your practice and just how you got involved with treating patients with complex chronic illness. Yes. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Dr. Taylor Bean and I'm a naturopathic doctor in British Columbia, specifically in Salmon Arm. So we just opened a clinic three months ago. Um, with a very clever name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taylor made wellness. So I thought it was Great. fitting. Mm -hmm. Uh, it actually wasn't my idea. It was a, a girlfriend of mine who's just like Taylor made, you should call it. Like, you know what? That is brilliant. Yes. <laughs> so Taylor made wellness tailored to each individual need of every patient that comes in here. So the journey, um, you know, my practice started in Singapore. So I first started practicing in Singapore in 2015, um, after the birth of my first child. And I always knew chronic illness was something that I wanted to, to, um, really work with, but it wasn't very specific, I suppose, exactly. Having my son open the doors essentially for pediatrics, where I was not, uh, my focus was not going to be pediatrics, but then having a child that opened many different doors and people were coming to me with their child because I had had a child. So that the learning curve really increased exponentially because then I started to see children with with complex conditions. And so this is where children from behavior to skin to no one knows what's going on. We can't seem to figure it out children. So that is what really started uh, my journey in terms of uh, chronic infections, complex conditions. So as I started to go down um, pandas, pans, and then with that would be pitans. And so that encompassed infections. And then that was that overlap uh, to on for adults as well with very unexplained problems. And so for me was, um, you know, as a naturopathic doctor here in British Columbia, you know, it seemed it, there's a lot of NDs in British Columbia because that's where one of the schools is, um, that in Ontario. And it just seemed like a lot of NDs um, do women's health, for example. And to me was, you know, I don't want to be another person that does women's health. There's so many, and therefore I can refer if need. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of NDs that are focusing on complex conditions in children or Lyme disease specifically. So it's like, well, that's where I'm going to go then because no one's there and I'm having patients with odd things. And you know what? There's lots of NDs to refer to, which I do. Um, and that started the, the path. And so it really, working with children opened the door to me of, well, adults and complex to idiopathic conditions that no one seemed to have an answer to was like, well, maybe you have Lyme disease, or maybe you have a co-infection, or maybe you have chronic strep. Maybe that's, maybe that's the problem. So that's where, and because I'm teaching children, then their parents are of course like, well, I have these really weird things. Maybe you can treat me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's where it, it hits for me. 
Um, and then being in that world, of course, and attending certain conferences with other, you know, big doctors speaking about these conditions, it's like, this feels really right to be here and be doing this. Um, because you just learn these incredible ways to treat patients that are dabble in naturopathic medical school, but, you know, in medical school, you're just learning how you're learning, you know, about the body and you're learning about, you know, from herbal medicine to pharmaceutical so forth, but the application of it comes after schooling and realizing, okay, this is the demographics of people that I, and, and the need is just so grand as well, as you would know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many people that get the answer of, we don't know what's wrong with you. Um, be well. And to me, that's not good enough no. ever. And so I think that when I start to see patients with have those have issues that no one seemed to explain why, you know, my heart bleeds and it's like, okay, we're going to find a solution. It's going to happen. Either I'm going to help you relieve these symptoms, but no more. And so to me, it's just a very competitive to me of I'm going to, I'm going to find the answer or open doors that haven't been opened for you before. And let's see what we find. Um, and oh my goodness, look what we found. No one's ever looked here before. And it sometimes it can be quite simple, which is nice when it's simple. Like mm-hmm. you do a full thyroid panel and you realize it is a thyroid problem mm-hmm. or you start testing for infections and you find, a, you know, a multitude of infections and then you go down that road or maybe it's mold or what have you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is where we have to go now. So yeah, that's, it was treating children is where it started uh, for me. Yeah. yeah. I um, just interviewed uh, Dr. Jill Krista um, last week. I haven't launched oh, awesome. uh, that ep- episode yet, but it's just interesting because she kind of had a, a, a similar-ish backstory and that it kind of went from like, oh, I was kind of focusing on one area and then that opened the door to another area and that to another area. And it's just this yeah. evolution. The, oh, yeah. Those of us who are um, open-minded and or foolhardy enough to be like, yeah, sure, let's just go deeper down the rabbit hole or let's go into 17 rabbit holes all at once. <laughs> then, you know, if we're in this special little group, so... Oh, yes. Yes, we are. And we kind of we you can see as you learn and attend these conferences, who's part of this, mm-hmm. I really think, open minded, you know, mavericks that are just we're going to, you know, we're not going to stop until we find the solution. Who what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Oh, look, my patient. It works so well with them. And so I just I love that. I just love that teamwork really with everybody bringing to the table these other ways that they're addressing, because I will always remember this. One of my professors said in school is your patient is not a walking textbook. Like you're right. They're never a walking test textbook. You can't just flip to a page and be like, well, let's, this is the problem. And I'm just going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then done. It just doesn't work like that. And it's very clear that it doesn't work like that. And so a textbook can offer some maybe understanding, but the solution component is lacking. And that's what we want, obviously. Okay, I have fibromyalgia. Okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Like, well, um, that's it. They're at the end of the road. You're not at the end of the road. You're the beginning Mm -hmm. of the road. So let's go. And Mm -hmm. that's what, you know, and I, I think that's why I just love this section of helping patients and seeing people with those ailments, because the sky's a limit typically sometimes of what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's not just cut and dry. Oh, you have iron deficiency anemia. Iron is the answer. Mm-hmm. We're done today. Yeah. Um, it, it just there's just so much more, and I think that's it's very fascinating, interesting um, to that. Yeah, I think which is why I gravitate towards that, and then leave the other components that my colleagues can do. Women's health, absolutely, because that's a huge component. So those more specifics, be it we know it's PCOS. We know it's endometriosis and then they'll, they'll deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, or these other angles, it's like, no, nah, but I want to deal with, we don't know what's wrong section. I want yeah. those people. Yeah. yeah. Um, for folks who are listening, if you have complex chronic illness and your doctor doesn't talk the way that Dr. Bean is in terms of being so excited and enthusiastic about this, uh, you may need to seek out another doctor who talks that enthusiastically. If, if you're, if you're stuck along the way and if, if you're, yeah aren't, then why are you listening to this podcast, I suppose? But um, yeah, it's just, you you want some of that kind of drive and ambition and motivation. Um, Cause I, I think, um, you know, I, I think I, I'm assuming it would be fair to say that, you know, when patients are presenting and their cases are really complicated and they're like, you're like, well, I got to help you fi- get figured out. Cause you've seen so many other people who haven't figured you out yet. And I don't know who to refer you to. So like, you know, mm-hmm. we got to just keep going. And, and, and of course we have, you know, I mean, I've had really difficult patients where I've been really fortunate to be able to chat with colleagues and, you know, maybe refer out for different cases, but, um, you know, more often than not, yeah. it's like, this is kind of the, the last stop along oh, the, yeah. the train. So we, we don't really have anybody to refer on to. We got to just figure exactly. it out. Exactly. Because yeah. the referral piece would be things that I don't have access to be it. Well, let's do some imaging mm-hmm. is typically what the referral is going to be to really yeah. like, let's rule out just in case if we sure. think, your migraine is due to something that we need to look at imaging for. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be the referral. And and I think, I think it really um, hit me hard when I was in Singapore with two different, uh, two different parents that came in about their children. And I was the end of the line and I was a new grad and a new mom and I didn't know the answer and they were similar as what they were. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, I felt embarrassed. I actually felt embarrassed of like, how do I not know? Although they had already seen experts in the mm-hmm. field, mm-hmm. I actually felt embarrassed. And I hated the, I just, I really hated the feeling of, well, you're here. How do I, how do I not have the answer? How do I not? I mean, you know, you're, be it a little bit of ego and I'm a new grad and I probably know everything, mm-hmm. but you know, that's okay in a way, meaning, well, then I'm going to find the answer for you. Like there has to be an answer to this question. How in the world does no one know this answer? So Mm -hmm. that's just, I think, I think that hit me, shocked me. Those same thing happened twice. And I didn't know the answer. I'm like, okay, this isn't going to happen to me again. Like, I'm not going to not know either maybe what's going on or what we're, how we're going to look for the answer. Um, at that point I was like, not prepared for this. Um, so yeah, that, that, that curiosity and, and competitive to find the, find the solution, mm-hmm. <laughs> but cause it's, it, it is so exciting mm-hmm. to me when I hear someone say like, Dr. Bean, I woke up this morning. I didn't have any pain. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that really, to me, I mean, that hit, hits me to my core too. Again, like my heartstrings are totally pulled because you woke up this morning without any pain, like hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, like I was able to go in the garden 
I haven't been able to do that. And that is what it's all. It's totally what it's all about completely. Um, And, you know, this is, and I remember being in Singapore, there was a mama um, who led a large group of mamas. Her kiddos had autism and they had complex conditions, which she'd worked with functional docs all over the world. And her kiddos are doing really well right now. Mm-hmm. And she had said, Taylor, you know, it's the person that takes the elevator. They look healthy, but inside like riddled with pain. And you're taking the elevator from floor one to two to five. Cause in Singapore, there was like 10 stories for the mall. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not going to take the stairs, but then we get looked at oddly because you look like a healthy person. And why are you in the elevator? Why don't you go take the stairs? Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, don't judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. because you are hurting inside. You look fine. And you also look fine to maybe your healthcare practitioner, which is why they also don't take it seriously because you mm-hmm. look fine and your blood work looks fine. Yeah, You must have a psychological issue. So we're going to refer you to a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. um, which is just so degrading because that's not what the problem is. And we're just not going to take it seriously. Um, So I've heard enough of those stories that I do, you know, I get angry inside. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have a psychiatric problem. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not in your head because that's another one. It's always, it's just in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it started, and also with mothers whom recognize something wrong with their children and then the doctor to say to the mother, well, you sh- there's nothing wrong with your child. Like there's nothing wrong with them. Like, yeah. I'm not sure why you don't see that as the mother. Um, or maybe you're just a bad mom. You just oh, didn't notice. Oh man. Like, I just, I, I, you know, I don't know how someone in medicine who got into being, going into medicine to come out of it, to talk to someone that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like to me is how dare you yeah. speak to someone that's like that? So that's like, that's hit me so many times where I'm like, that's enough. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stops here and we're going to, we're going to look for solutions and hopefully we find it and uncover some things that no one can be bothered to look at or don't want to, or don't know. Um, because really you, you need to attend conference, you need to attend conferences with brilliant minds and sit there with an open mind and listen to what they're saying. And like, okay, I'll take this back with me. Um, but those, those conferences, I mean, they don't happen in Canada. (laughs) Not, no, no. The the best ones I've been to have not been here, but I mean, now, now with like the zoom era, it's, uh, you can access it from anywhere, I suppose. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So much on my travel expenses these days. (laughs) (laughs) right totally it was good uh to save a little money that way but yeah because they are expensive but that's where meat and potatoes happen you know Mm -hmm. that's where it gets real and raw and you can you know hear some profound things that that docs are doing you're like that's never even thought of that and i mean this is where for me is the ldi came in i mean Mm -hmm. ldi has been such a blessing for me to use in my practice and mm-hmm. thank goodness, you know, you do it and you offer it and I can buy it from you 
<laughs> and he Got can get little, it from you. Uh, shipping arrangement. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, I think we probably have it. Although you're, you know, obviously Audis. I tell patients like it's going to take two to three weeks to get to you, even though it just comes from the other end that of the long? country. Oh my gosh, there's Canada Post for you, but <laughs> it takes forever. Uh-huh. So it is what it is. So they're, mm-hmm. they, we know now how long it takes, sure. and um, that has been just a game changer. Really, That's a game awesome. changer. You know, I love LDI. Um, and yeah, so I just, it's been that part, but LDI, you know, that's attending conferences and hearing about it and people talking about LDI and maybe not specifically teaching on it. It's like, okay, you you guys keep talking about LDI and here's one doc and in there, you know, protocol was LDI. It's like, I need to know what this is and Mm -hmm. I need to use this. And clearly like I'm missing out, Mm -hmm. my patients are missing out and it seems it's quite for it's quite simple compared to other things it can be quite complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, there is complication of course to it in the rhythm of things, but um, it's also very easy and children can it do is. it. And, and it's just that's the beautiful thing. Yeah. It's yeah. tasteless. So easy. Anybody can take LDI if they need it. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about LDI because you're one of the few colleagues that I have who have, you know, um, taken the made the effort to learn about LDI um and it's it as you have touched on it could be an incredibly profound therapy for folks so um I, I don't think I've had a guest yet who has done LDI so I'm excited to ask you mm, a little oh, bit about it so so just for uh, folks who are listening um LDI is low dose immunotherapy um without getting into the weeds of it um essentially it's a therapy that can be used to help um desensitize the immune system if it's become hypersensitized to something the way I like to explain it to my patients is it's kind of like doing allergy desensitization treatment you know you're allergic to dust you go to see the allergist and they inject, you know, dilute amounts of dust under your skin at progressively higher concentrations until you are no longer uh, sensitive to it anymore. LDI is purported to work through a somewhat different mechanism, but it's the same kind of thing where like, oh, dust issue has made my immune system cranky and now I'm all inflamed. Well, maybe the same thing can happen with the Lyme disease bacteria or yeast or strep or this or that. So if we can let that be sort of a, a general taster of like, what is LDI? What the heck is this stuff? Could you uh, maybe touch a little bit on either what types of conditions you found LDI to be the most helpful for, if there's, you know, a a case or something, uh, just to give patients a sense of like, how has this been impactful in your practice? Mm, Yes. So actually the first two patients, um, that I've worked with and, and many since, but the first two, they're, um, young adults, um, both have autism and I've actually, you and I have had a conversation about one, but there's the two brothers and they're in their twenties. One has no speech. Um, He's clearly in a lot of pain because he'll hit his head severely and probably creates concussions almost every time he does it. Um, But he, both of them have, have had complex um, issues right from about age two and they're in their twenties. Um, they've done everything. They started with doc- seeing Dr. Andrew Usman, um, in the United States and they moved to, then they started seeing, um, Dr. Amy Dirksen in the United States. And then, um, now myself, because she's in Canada and I'm in Canada and she happens to be in British Columbia. So kind of the journey and, um, and then also it was just, they could not fly. 
with them. Like that was just, that was not happening. So they couldn't fly to do visits anymore. So we had to find someone locally. So I've been working with them for about three years now. The, the older of the two, um, he has speech. Um, there's, he was on medication, um, basically just for anxiety rage is what he was on just to calm him down some OCD behavior. And, all of a sudden um, would stop taking his medication and just stopped because he knew it'd make him feel off. Um, And he even would take the medication of his brother and throw it away and, and, and whatnot. So he was all of a sudden one day just like, nope, this makes me feel odd. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking anything. And so we're at this roadblock of we need to do something, but what? And it was like, well, let's do LDI and let's see. And he became to a point where he's so stable that he was able to move out. Wow. And amazing. Wow. That was was an intense situation. I remember, but yeah. yeah, Wow. That's very, very intense because this, um, the older brother, um, violent, and they have had to call the police, um, restrain him from the mother. And so this had gone on for years. And it was the point of we need to get to him to a place where he's more stable. And they saw glimpses of it from now and then. And the medication was keeping him more just under control. But then he just refused to take it. And you couldn't hide it. You couldn't because he could feel a difference. And if you felt that difference, if you hit it, then he would get angry. And so that component. So then we start, so we started LDI and, and the mom noticed when it was just like, we haven't had to call the police in a year. And then it was like, okay, we're going to, we need to get him out of the house because the second brother, the the younger brother was um, part of his hitting him himself, hitting his head was being aggravated by the other brother. So it's like, if we can get him out of the house, then maybe he'll stop hitting his head so much. And so then he, we got him out. Um, he is back in at home, just there was a situation um, with where he moved to because he needs a little bit of assistance, but he's back, but um, he's doing, he's doing well. And we've been, we were using from uh, yeast is the one that we've been using. Uh, we've also gone down the line of Bartonella as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've, we're on a really good rhythm and we're recognizing when maybe that's too much, maybe mm-hmm. it's too frequent um, and reduced, but that's been, that was, that had, it's probably, it's one of my first cases that that because we're at a point of like we need to do something what are we going to do and and so i said you know let's do ldi um and the mom is like okay well you make sure that you never like leave because you need to maintain helping me with ldi so that, that's not going to happen you will always be able to get ldi um because i was considering bringing it in but at this point i'm not i just they just order from you and it's just much easier that way and it's easy so um I'm happy to, to continue doing that and yeah, get them what they need. And so that's been the, that's been the first. Um, and so since then, and, and that's just probably one of, my, one of the best examples actually, um, because these two individuals, I mean, these two brothers can't communicate how they feel. They can't 
really tell me and tell her how we're feeling. So then I can gauge what to do because with everyone else, it's like, okay, how do you feel? Like, oh, I, I felt you know, more lethargic or pain or what have you, or I felt amazing. And then it, and then it, it went away after X amount of days. Mm-hmm. I can get the feedback from those two. And we're completely objective, com- 100% objective with that, where less head hitting or it's less rage mm-hmm. completely because they can't say, oh, I'm feeling great today. None of that. It's yeah. um, comp- So that's been amazing. Um, there has been... Uh, one patient I can recall less pain. Um, and it's just, you know, like 90% less pain and, you know, we've been doing other things, right. So Mm -hmm. just to notice where we were at and the reduction of is like, you know, a a significant difference. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are just quick little introduction question, Mm -hmm. if you don't mind, um, because I know in my practice, at least, um, Oftentimes when we I bring in LDI, unless it's a case where it's like, you know, the patient just won't take anything, like, you know, you have to get something tasteless like LDI, like little drops, like, you know, some sometimes we'll lead with the LDI depending on the case, but more often than not, usually there's a protocol in place and then we bring in the LDI as kind of this new variable. And I think that's one of the reasons for me at least that I feel like, oh, wow, I can really attest to how potent and powerful LDI can be for patients because they're already on a protocol, they're on a certain trajectory, or maybe they've plateaued. We add in the LDI and then boom, like we see the change, you know, if it works. I mean, of course it doesn't help everybody, unfortunately, but um, in your practice, is it a similar kind of thing where like LDI kind of becomes the, like you kind of see it as almost like a standalone or like just a, a new single variable. So you can really tell like, is the LDI helping or not? Yes. Because in the beginning of hearing about LDI, and what I was learning from people is that they would start with your your regular what you're going to do, and then LDI was then added in as a layer. So mm-hmm. I've been doing that. Um, I haven't led with LDI yet, but and I I may start leading with LDI, but I haven't mm-hmm. led with it yet. I've wanted to more so do more work before it comes in, mm-hmm. be it it's going to have a more profound effect, um, a longer lasting effect, because I've sort of removed some other things before we we go into the LDI. The one example of, you know, the boy that I worked with, uh, the brother, I mean, we had done very minor. He would pick and choose when it came to a supplement or a medication because you can physically see it. Mm-hmm. And he would pick and choose, pick and choose, um, but the LDI, uh, so you only, I think I can recall only three or four supplements really that he was taking, but he started to just spit them out. He'd, he'd throw them and the, he'd throw them down the stairs mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm not taking this. I'm not doing, you can't tell me what to do. You know, it's just one of these. And so it was like, okay, what about the LDI and, um, yeah, oral and it was in a syringe and he'd open for it because it was just like water. And there wasn't that feeling because he felt drugged on the drugs that he mm-hmm. was on and he could make that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but he basically, it was essentially felt like I was leading because I wasn't doing, we hadn't tested him for anything. He would not take a needle. Like there was, impo- it was completely impossible to get blood work. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and with that point, then this is where with some patients with that impossible 
to maybe do some testing of it, of knowing if there's any infections, then I will lead, I will start the LDI to see if there's an effect. And that will tell me, okay, this infection is a problem um, as a result. And so that has been really helpful um, with patients because like, okay, A, the, the testing is very expensive. B, there's no way you're going to get blood out of my child. So C, we start with LDI and very, very gentle. I usually start very gentle at the highest potency I will start. So meaning like in the twenties, I usually start with, Mm -hmm. and I've had people who respond to those. And so, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, it's almost so out West, we're a little bit more sensitive. I find patients are quite sensitive mm-hmm. There may be patients out East, but I start with a, a higher potency and they feel it. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's, and then we, you know, we're not, then we jump down uh, mm-hmm. more quickly, but um, yeah, the option to the understanding how to, and then the patient recognizes of like, oh, my energy is better or the pain is better. And I don't understand how this is really working, but I'm feeling better. (laughs) We can go through it and explain it again, but just like, I don't actually care. Like I feel better and it's not hurting, hurting them. Um, It's resolving the problem is what it's doing. And so that's been a huge part of my practice now of implementing that. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, it's great. I'm glad you're doing it and keep spreading the word uh, Mm because I'd I'd really love to see more clinicians using it. Me too. Um, Yeah. I really thought that there would have been a lot. Um, I I honestly, I think it's the, uh, and just to maybe give the the, uh, listeners a little bit of a look behind the curtain is like, well, like, why is Dr. Bean like getting her patients to get it from, you know, across the country? Um, It's it's a really big logistical hassle. Um, The formulas are quite expensive to get on track, like uh, get get them on hand in the first place. And then they have to be endlessly diluted. Um, It it takes all um, to make all these different potencies and whatnot. And then you're storing them in the fridge. Like we have a whole fridge full of these things like um it's it occupies a fair bit of time for my staff it's probably like you know uh one staff members you know quarter time job like all week like dealing with ldis so i think that it's probably that startup uh, process and then just the logistics of actually distributing it it's it's a bit it's a bit cumbersome and we've got it down to a science so we're happy to you know we're happy to facilitate that for other clinics but i think that's the biggest um yeah right but yeah totally because i was just in um um, oh my goodness, his name will come to me, but another naturopathic doctor's office. And, um, yeah, he does LDI. This is in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, oh my, like you've got three fridges, you know, it was kind of one of those overwhelming parts of, I don't know if I really just want exactly the logistics to get into mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And, and I think then is, me asking you if I can get them from you. And you said, yes, was like, okay, this <laughs> solves this problem. Easy, or maybe yeah. other docs are like, how am I, where am I supposed to get this from? Yeah. How yeah. I don't get it, how I'm going to do all of this. And I think it is a little bit, yeah, it, it, it's an unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. It's daunting. So yeah. um, I don't have to deal with it, which is great. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad everybody's happy. So everyone's it's happy. It's good. Exactly. I just sent an email and you guys do it and it's gets to my patients and we're, we're happy. We're good. It works. Perfect. So yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, uh, another question I have for you, Dr. Bean, um, just around uh, testing, actually. Um, so would you be able to rhyme off maybe like the top um, three, you know, three to five tests that you like to run in your or that you'll commonly run in your practice when it comes to managing patients with complex chronic illness? And maybe what we could do is... Um, because I'm sure, I know for me anyways, I'm assuming it's the same for you. It kind of differs whether, you know, pediatric patients, you know, like child on the spectrum or, or whatnot versus, you know, say an adult who has complex chronic illness. So maybe I'll ask within the context of um, adults with complex chronic illness, just because we've kind of had a little bit more of a ped focus so far, um, if that's okay. So just adults, yeah. complex yeah. cases, uh, of course, adults can be on the spectrum, but you know what I mean, yes. neurotypical yeah, adults, um, uh, complex chronic illness, what would be some of your yeah. favorite tests? Absolutely. Cause it is different for children versus adults. Um, so I will be it. I will start with more advanced, um, blood work. So in British Columbia, um, I don't know out East, but we can write and do blood work here so I can use a local lab. Um, and it's private. So the patient is pain. So I will dig in terms of a full thyroid span, uh, panel. Um, we're doing your TSH, your T4, your T3, your antibodies. Cause in British Columbia, if a medical doctor writes T3 and T4, MSP will kick it off. They will dictate. Same, same so, for the most part. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll do that. Um, and, and look at, you know, autoimmune to, um, homocysteine to, um, inflammatory markers. Um, we'll start, that's one and test. That be, and, and sorry to interject. Would that be mm -hmm. like, um, ESR and CRP or other inflammatory yes, markers? Yes, okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, and then I will also use the BCCDC as well. I do that a lot. And I think my colleagues don't know that they can, but mm. you can. And mm. so I will draw the blood in house and I will ship that to the BC center of disease control. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for it. We don't have a lot of options, but I can look at Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegaly virus. There is Lyme on there and Babesia on there. Um, so I will put it on there and maybe it will show up. Mm -hmm. Um, so I will do some infections with local labs because it is a free test mm -hmm. um, for them to do. So I will do that. So that's kind of the first layer. Secondly is then more advanced testing for infections. And I do use Armin labs. I mm -hmm. do send to, to Germany. And so we're going to look at Lyme. We're going to look at co-infections that way. Um then potentially, then we'll look at mold. I do like to do a mycotoxin test. And mm -hmm. so although I'm in the Shushwap, which is a more dry, I have a lot of patients on the coast, very damp, mm -hmm. and we have caught things. We have caught things on that mold test, which I usually use. Um, Great Plains mycotoxin test is what I typically Me use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right on. I haven't used real-time labs. Um I've used Great Plains and um, be it if I do do an organic acid test, maybe with patients, with adults, um, they do have some markers for mold on there, but it's not as, they're not looking for as many as on the specific mycotoxin test. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of find that local labs, we can find, okay, maybe there's something going on with, with endocrine system maybe your iron is super low. Let's look at that. And, and a full spectrum of iron for that. Is there in some inflammation? Is there autoimmunity? Are there infections? And then next is to look for infections. And then depending on your symptoms, then we'll do a mold test. And that's kind of would be my top 
three for patients is what I'm, what I'm usually doing. I use the BCCDC quite a bit and we, I have found just recently, um, uh, she's 20 and debilitating fatigue. Um, everyone just basically chalked it up to being a, a lazy 20 year old, um, off to university college she was in here and we, we ran some thyroid and iron and I ran that Epstein bar on her and it came back positive IgA. And so like, okay, we are going to IgM, sorry, we're going to, um, treat you because you have an active, um, Epstein bar virus infection and no one bothered to look because why would a 20 year old, I suppose, have mono? I mean, why Lots would of 20 year olds have mono? Like, I mean, <laughs> So many patients have that in their history, right? It's in my twenties. I had mono. So. Right. But no one was looking for it. And yeah. it was just like, well, I don't know why you're tired. Mm-hmm. Go exercise or get out there. You know, it was yeah. just the excuse for her of why she's tired to me is just such a disservice. And frankly, lazy is what it is. You know, let's call it what it is because testing her for Epstein-Barr meant another blood draw sent somewhere else, something else that I have to review and treat, you know, why can't I just, you know, know what it is in this moment and treat you and then goodbye. Um, so she came here and instantly was like, you, you have mono, like that is what you have right now. And we're going to treat that. You have an acute infection right now. Hmm. And the mom was like, I can't, I can't, can't believe that. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you know, this is what happens when you, when you dig. And that was, in a way, a simple, but such an effective way of finding something that was really cheap too. Um, and I think that patients don't know that, yeah, you can look at these chronic infections as well, do the first free layer, I think, mm-hmm. sure. and see if you find something. Yeah. Um, and then let's go from there. Let's go to more advanced stuff. So I have done that quite a bit. Um, you know, even things like B12 or vitamin D, you know, these aren't typical to put on blood work um, and they do serve some value, um, you know, and and why not? And so, yeah, I've found some really low B12s and wow, that B12 shot did a 180 for that patient. Mm -hmm. And it was just B12. B12 lately has been really, I'm not sure if it's a Shushwap Okanagan thing, but my patients are really responding really well to B12. Hmm. You know, in Maple Ridge, I had done a ton, but it's so interesting to find the difference actually in the region. And I don't, hmm. I can't exactly figure it out, but I've been doing a lot of B12 shots and for that fatigue, and that's really turned them around. I have also though, um, diagnosed um, about three patients now with a Lyme, which doesn't maybe sound like a lot, but being, you know, having this clinic open for three months, the level it feels like of people that with the potential of having Lyme is greater than I thought I saw in Maple Ridge. So, um, you know, we are in beautiful country where there are ticks and it's more of a dry, humid, you know, place. And be it, this is just where they thrive a, li- a bit more than in a damp. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Maple Ridge, of course, there's just sort of less well, or the lower mainland, less forest, uh, here you're just in it all the time and you live on, you know, you have a couple acres and you live where they live. So, um, anyways, so yeah, so that's sort of my top three. I would okay. Say. 
Great. Yeah. I have a follow-up question. And just before I ask it, um, uh, it's a good time just to mention that everything we're discussing is for informational purposes only. This is not medical advice in any way, shape, or form. Please talk to your personal healthcare provider about any health decisions that you uh, want to pursue for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So with the patient with mono or, or say with chronic EBV, um, could you just speak a little bit to what types of therapeutics you'd, you, uh, you'd mm -hmm. work with to help resolve that type of infection? Mm -hmm. So it always is based, I always, I don't always, but I give the option of if we're going to do uh, medication or mm -hmm. if we're going to do herbal mm -hmm. um, and use um, nutraceuticals because of cost. And so I always preface that of, okay, these are our two options or are our options. Um, this patient She's like, I can't afford anything. So I'd like to do the medication. So we did acyclovir. We're going to do um, an antiviral medication is what we did mm -hmm. um, versus going down, down the road of doing herbals, um, high dose vitamin A, going down that road is what I would like to have done. Um, mm -hmm. But we're all in a certain situation where you can afford or not afford. So I always, I always offer that. And that's the direction we went with her and some patients, you know, that high dose vitamin A has been sometimes brilliant and kickstart things. Um, and, you know, you're only doing that for a couple of days and then you're doing your herbals. Sometimes I will, I will use, um, supplements, but I also like to use gemos. So mm -hmm. I have sometimes used gemos as well in a combination of those, Mm -hmm. Plus then even IVs using IVs. I mean, when it comes to um, Epstein-Barr virus, this is where we can do artisanate IV. So that's an option as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just the cost piece and what can be afforded. Um, but those are sort of the areas. Yeah. Um, and she was at this point in college um, in uh, the Kootenays. And so she was not coming in to be treated. So she was there and she's going to college. So also remembering to do things and it was just easier to do that. But that's the, mm -hmm. the, the sort of the two areas or a combination of them too. I've had patients do combination where we're doing a medication antiviral with some supplements. Um, and then I have done before I've LDI, I was actually doing, um, I've done and have, um, EBV nozode. So then I would also use the homeopathic along with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've actually used nozodes to give me information as well about if that is a problem, if they, if they feel, because what you can do is you can do a trial of, let's say it's Lyme, Borrelia, or let's say it's EBV or Bartonella is take a, take a dose of that nozode, that homeopathic, and if you feel relaxed and you feel just calm with that, then that potentially could be indication mm -hmm. um, that that is exactly what we're dealing with because with homeopathy is like cures like. So I have a ton of nozodes and sometimes I use those for an immediate um, to tell me immediately if that is. Um, and then we can go down the road of LDI as we, we wait for it to arrive. Um, we can use the three mm -hmm. weeks. So there's mm -hmm. something in the me meantime. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's sort of when it comes to, um, vi I mean, viruses versus bacteria, of course, are going to be different, uh, protocols, but I mean, the beauty of being in British Columbia is the ability to write the prescriptions, mm -hmm. um, for those things. And it, cause sometimes it can be having the option because it's covered, right. If she, you know, she didn't cost her a penny to do the medication, yeah. 
Um, and now, you know, getting her up and going and, you know, she's in nursing school, so it's demanding. And um, which is kind of neat that she's in nursing because I'm like, so can you, you probably take your personal experience and apply it to your yeah, profession? Remember this. Yes, remember mm -hmm. this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how that's my thinking when I address. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you um see much in terms of like um mast cell activation syndrome? Mm -hmm. Um right. Uh, so it, yes. Um so I some it doesn't seem to be as profound to me um in my office as it seems to be out there. Um I certainly have cons considered it with a couple patients. Um, I have a, two patients on the medication chromalin um, to help with them, and but it's not not doing much. So I don't think that be it that's the issue for them. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's not as uh, a big um, component of my my office. But definitely, I have it in my back pocket. Yep, okay. to think Great. about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, another question. Um, so I, I seem to recall when I came out to visit your practice many, many That's moons right. ago now right. yeah. um, out in BC, writing a jurisprudence exam That's for my right. BC license and <laughs> you were generous enough to let me shadow you for uh, for yeah. uh, half a day, I think. And so yeah, I, I cool. do recall, we, I think maybe you had a poster on your wall at the time of the methylation cycle, or we were talking about genomics yeah. and things like that um, yeah. to some extent. So I'm just wondering, like, uh, how often would you be working with a patient with complex chronic illness? Again, let, let's say more like adult neurotypical patients um uh because i, I know uh i think i think it's statistically a lot more applicable to you know uh, kids on the spectrum or, or other patients on the spectrum or whatnot but um say for adult uh neurotypical patients with complex chronic illness how often is it um you know, particularly impactful or relevant to be like, oh, we're working with, you know, methylated folate or methyl B12, or we're, you know, working to help jack up your CME, or we're working to support your CBS pathway. Like how often is kind of that core, like methylation mm. cycle and sort of immediately adjacent pathways um, important in their healing process and your mm. experience? I think typically always, um, where, and I'll have the converse because what I love about looking at the pathways too, is everything that's involved in those pathways and why we need to perhaps do some nutrients and certain nutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, taking those methylated forms first off, if they're on a supplement with more synthetic forms, then we come off of those and then we dabble in the methylated forms. And what that will tell me in the beginning is if we have a reaction to those, then we're pushing pathways that we can't, we shouldn't be pushing. Mm -hmm. And so that's also um, quite telling as well. It gives me feedback of either they felt anxious, um, insomnia um, is where I find people, you know, we're just like, I can't, I, I feel like I'm on speed. I can't handle this. Mm -hmm. So that I, I use only methylated forms. Um, folinic acid, more so with children, leucovorin, then we go up the pathway from methylfolate back up mm -hmm. sometimes, but that's due to certain a certain reason uh, in children specifically. Um, but yeah, when we look at supplements, certainly I will support with the methylated forms. Some people in terms of mood uh, will go to SAMe, which is a big methyl donor. Um, sometimes it's brilliant, sometimes it's not brilliant, uh, but SAMe I'll definitely dabble with. Um, but what I love about the methylation cycle and looking at is patients visually. And so I like the poster because the patients can see 
and understand how that cycle works and then why some nutrients are, are quite important because it tells me all those coenzymes for each of those enzymes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes either we'll work from bottom up, you'd be at more minerals first to get things moving and then we'll dabble in methylfolate. I mean, very cautious of the amount of methylfolate that we will use. Some people think more is better. And I have sometimes the patients pull back, mm-hmm. um, if they're on, you know, high dose methylfolate, like I'm taking five milligrams. I'm like, well, maybe let's pull back a little bit on that. Um, and, and start, you know, lower, maybe 200 micrograms is what you, you should start with. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't understand why I have either a racing heart or I'm some, you know, I can't sleep and I'm taking these supplements. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Um, someone told you about like methylated bees and, you know, you are in, I have patients who will be on like four different supplements with, with methylfolate in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you need to take less. I mean, this is not okay. Um, you know, cause even, you know, pathogens, they, you're feeding them, you know, you're also feeding them sometimes, um, and they're eating off of those nutrients. So it's like, well, we need to stop feeding them so well. Um, but also you could be having an, almost an adverse reaction from these methylated. So it's important to, you know, some people will run their own genetics and see, oh, I have, I'm a combo hetero and MTHFR and therefore I need to take methylfolate done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not really how the story works. Yes, mm-hmm. you do need some, but you need to be aware that there's m- way more moving components to this. And that's just one of the cog wheels. And there's so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think another thing that came up once on a, I think one of our naturopathic chat groups or something like that on Facebook, um, I think was that I believe, and I could be mistaken on this, but I, I think some B vitamins and may, maybe methylfolate, I'm not sure, like, or maybe sometimes derived from like they're grown on mold cultures and there's right. like residual right. trace. So I, I, right. I do wonder sometimes like, okay, are you reacting to the methylated bees because mm. um maybe there's like a super duper sensitivity to molds or yeah. is it that you're upregulating a certain pathway or i know paul Anderson, like dr paul anderson talks about uh, methyl or uh, histamine trapping and sometimes that yeah. will you know yeah. jack up the uh, methylated hist- methyl histamine and really drive up things up through the roof yeah. so yeah you're right you're right absolutely that sensitivity to the mold um right. totally could be part of it absolutely yeah. Yeah. So I guess one thing I'm wondering is I, I was um, maybe two or three weeks ago now I had the opportunity to, do you know, uh, Dr. Lauren Tessier, um, ND? Oh, she sounds a, familiar. She's, she's yeah. a big, she's a mold expert. She's okay. the current president of the ICI. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Group, um, yep. She's written a bunch of NDNR articles. She's, she's awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I was interviewing her and um, we were talking about phosphatidylcholine. She's like, oh, phosphatidylcholine, like just so, so important. Um, and I was saying to her like, I, I agree, like on paper, so important. And yet when I prescribe it to patients, it's very rare that I see like a symptom change. Like it's very rare that someone will say like, oh, mm-hmm. my brain's working a million times better. Or my energy so much better. Or my pain's less. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, it's just really important to have in place because then other therapies seem to be able to work better. Actually, I think, I think what she was saying is actually for patients who are really, really sensitive because she has a lot of patients with MCAS, she's like we get the phosphatidylcholine in there. It helps to stabilize the membranes. Like things just seem to go smoother. And so I, I'm wondering if in terms of the methylation support, you know, when you get the right dose of methyl B12, methylfolate, and let's just say the patient doesn't have a frank B12 deficiency, but you get mm-hmm. the right methylation support in there. Um, mm-hmm. Are you seeing, uh, are you typically, because you said like it, applies to maybe most of your, you know, adult 
uh, neurotypical mm-hmm. complex chronic illness patients. Um, would you say that it's most common that you actually see discernible symptom improvements or clinical changes um, from those demethylation support itself? Or is it more that you need to address that so other stuff can work better? Or is it a combination of both or, or yeah. is it, it depends? Yeah. So I think it's a combination of both. I mean, phosphatidylcholine, you know, I'll use that just for more cellular support. Mm-hmm. Um, and be it, we have better cells have better response as well. You know, things can come in and out better and be it used mm-hmm. in that per se. The, the methyl I have. So what I have seen is a a bit of increased energy from my non-chronic, um, chronically ill patients. What I can say is in, in infertility, I have, um, had the pleasure of working with a couple mamas that I can think right now who have had, um, miscarriages, and when we started using um, a prenatal with methylated bees in it, and that's all we changed, mm-hmm. we had babies to full term. So that before a number of times, it's yeah. awesome. So it's so easy amazing. and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, it's so easy and you're like, that was it. Um, and it was just, and it was just, you know, to me, just so wild of that one change. And I mean, it makes sense of why that would be. Um, and, and, you know, obviously had issues with, with making methylfolate or they're having downregulation of their MTHFR. Um, and that folic acid they were taking was, was downregulating their MTHFR. So, I mean, my one mission is just to get every pregnant mom off of folic acid, um, or those trying to get pregnant, um, and get on methylfolate. So those are, those are actual where I've seen results, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, objectively, um, we were having issues, then all of a sudden switched over and then we have babies. So, um, but in terms of other people, I think the problem is the bucket is so full. We're clouded with so many problems that when you, when you throw a methylated, you know, methylated bees in there, it just gets lost or not able, able to utilize it. Maybe it's not even making it to the receptor site. Um, so those, you know, I mean, when you think about like MTHFR and things that downregulate it, I mean, folic acid does, but then you throw metals in there and, and metals will, will affect that. And so, you know, lead to aluminum, you're just not going to get, you know, it's just, you know, you're, you're putting diesel in a car. It's just not going to work. And mm-hmm. so be it, you have a diesel truck and it should take diesel, but maybe you've got sand and you've got things within it that just engine can't operate. So mm-hmm. the, I find that I'll put that in there and I'm, I don't expect profound changes when I have someone that is just littered with inflammation, be it mycotoxins, we have infections and now we have, you know, we've got metals to, to deal with and it just really gums everything up and we can't get the full effect. Um, so yeah, but at least it's helping. It'll be help keep things going too. So we don't completely lose, um, our capability of, of, you know, our energy and and whatnot. So it's kind of still kind of helping, but yeah, I don't have these like, wow, methylfolate. That was, that was incredible. No, Sammy though, I have with patients with mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course with infections, you can have mood changes and be it mm-hmm. it's rage, anger, panic attacks, high anxiety. Um, I have with Sammy, I have 
had patients feel um, more mood stabilization with Sammy. Yeah. Which that's is a big methyl donor. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, just one last little question on methylation. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Um, so you're, I'm uh, assuming that you're familiar with the new brander protocol for uh, kids with like for methyl B12 shots for kids on right. the spectrum. Yes. Um, yes. Have you ever, just out of curiosity, have you ever um, extrapolated that and tried it with adults, like uh, adults, like neurotypical no, adults? No, I um, haven't, but that is such a great idea. Like such thank, a great thank idea. you. Thank you. I yes. thought it was. Um, so I d- d- just, I, I was just curious. Write that um, down and write that down. Yeah. Yes, please, please do. Um, yeah. It's uh, we've, I've been doing that for years with patients, not everybody, but um, you know, one of the things like I, I did uh, Ben Lynch's, you know, genomic mm-hmm. training, like way back in the day and like, you know, yeah. studied yeah. Amy, um, Amy Yasko's stuff back in the day and yeah. Paul Anderson's and like, you know, just lo- lots yeah. of genomic stuff. And um, you know, one of the things that I've sort of been a little bit, um, I don't quite want to say underwhelmed with in part, cause it's not a real word, but, um, it's, uh, just that I haven't really seen like a lot of like huge profound changes. Like, yes, like it's wonderful. when you know, methylfolate helps to facilitate a, a woman having successful pregnancy and all that, like for sure, like amazing things like that. But in terms of the complex chronic illness realm, not that often that it's a huge, huge game changer, yeah. um, in my experience as well. But, um, with the methyl B12, um, yeah, I found that using that protocol for patients, it sometimes worked really well. So like mm-hmm. we'll teach them how to self-administer, you know, we get the super concentrated B12 and they'll start by doing an injection, like a, a sub Q self-injection every couple of days, building up to, you know, the, the dosage in question. And, um, it, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work at all. Um, but there are some patients like I've, I'd say, probably for every, you know, give or take, you know, bearing in mind, I'm trying to very well select the patients. I'd say probably like one in three patients has like a really good response to it. Like it really helps their energy. Um, sometimes it's been the only thing that's um, helped to address uh, like neuropathy um, that people are dealing with too, just as kind of another side clinical pearl. But yeah, um, yeah sometimes it can be really helpful. And, and I find it's quite rare that people flare from it. Um, you know, I mean, right. obviously we yeah. test drive first, like if you can tolerate, you know, sort of a standard, like, you know, a thousand micrograms of ethyl B12, Okay, yeah. then we can, or, you know, maybe we'll do 5,000 just to be safe. And it's like, okay, let's start dabbling with this a little bit. But I was just curious if you'd played with it. Well, in, no, and I'm going to now. Uh, thank you for that. Um, but I, one of my patients who's really sensitive, really sensitive to supplements um, and oral methyl B12, mm-hmm. he start, we've been doing B12 shots with her mm-hmm. and and she has been having really good results that way. Amazing. So, you know, bypassing the gut, going straight into the muscle tissue. I mean, it's just straight to the cells that way, which is why I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been going up on that potency okay. with patients cool. too, and sort of skipping the lower potency and just going for the higher potency. And um it's simple and easy. Yeah. And um, I've had patients that have been on the cyanocobalamin and then switching them to methylcobalamin. Let's do that instead. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been, and so be it, we just have an issue with absorption or which is, which is the issue, the issue with, with absorption and, and, you know, be it that's intrinsic factor is the problem. Um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'm going to use that and add more to the B12 shot for sure. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think there's, I think there's something about it being sub Q too. Like, I know he talks mm-hmm. about it being more slow release. And like, I, I feel like that's probably a big thing. Cause like we've had patients where, you know, they're getting like, we'll do some kind of like 
high extra high dose Myers cocktails, for example. And um, like, sometimes that's like not really packing much of a punch and yet doing it sub Q, you know, works, works well. So like, I I think there's some kind of magic there with a slow release maybe, but he was was on to something about Dr. Newbrander. Yeah. Because it's something interesting. I mean, I have patients where I've done B12 shots and have great results and Mm -hmm. then we're like, okay, let's do an IV. Mm -hmm. And they had similar results with the IV and it's like, interesting mm-hmm. you'd think well, it would how? be so much more like boom so much but, more yeah. exactly because then i was going same if not a bit more in the bag plus a ton of other things mm-hmm. um and i thought that energy that they would have had a different reaction a better a, a longer lasting reaction and it wasn't it was less, yeah. so we've gone back to just be 12 shots yeah and uh which is interesting so yeah it's good to know mysteries yeah. of the human body dr b exactly. and I'm telling you, just <laughs> never never a dull moment no, not a walking textbook ever. No, yeah. not. Um, well, uh, Dr. Bean, I, I know we're kind of getting um, up on our hour here that we were uh, planning to talk for. So um, before we wrap up, um, uh, you know, person who's listening, they're thinking like Dr. Bean, Dr. Bean is just this brilliant force to be reckoned with. She's the kind of doctor I want to have in my corner. Um, and But they don't live, you know, in Salmon Arm, BC, or, or maybe maybe nowhere in, in BC. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a way that folks can work with you if they live somewhere that's not right handy to working with you in person or in within totally. BC? Yeah, so totally. So that? I, yeah, I recommend that you find a local naturopathic doctor and then I will work with them with you. And mm-hmm. so you're going to have two heads are better than one um, when you're outside of the province. If you're in the province, then we're going to work together and we're going to do telemedicine if you don't live in Salmon Arm. Um, but if you're out of province and particularly if you want me to start writing prescriptions for you, you need to come to British Columbia in order for me to do that. Um, and, and, or we'll work with a, a local ND together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I do that all the time. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, great. Yep. And so the best way to get your contact information would just be mm-hmm. through your website, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. So um, either tailormadewellness.com mm-hmm. or doctors and drtailorbean.com. Um, either, either way, those two websites. Okay. And then, um, yeah, we're on, I'm, I'm on Instagram. I say we as the clinic and myself are on Instagram and it's Dr. Taylor Bean again on Instagram, same spelling. Um, that's more where my thoughts go is Instagram. <laughs> um, the website is of course for information, but mm-hmm. we're going to have dialogue. We, I have, I have particular subject matter that I discuss on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll include your, uh, both the websites and your uh, Instagram and, and I'll Facebook or, or well, is your Facebook just a personal or is that a, no. Clinic? And I have, I do have Dr. Taylor Bean, uh, Facebook. Okay. Um, it's sort of active just because the Instagram posts go oh, to the I Facebook. Okay. I don't really do Facebook. It just goes to there. Gotcha, um, gotcha. but, um, yeah. So I, I more head to Instagram for more of that conversation piece. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just the kind of follow-up question on all of that. Um, so if, uh, are there ways that folks can sort of access your brain or are there things that you offer outside of consulting on mm-hmm. cases? Like, mm-hmm. do you have any uh, online courses or different things? Yes. People? Yes. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. I do have a webinar series, um, vaccineoptimization.com. So I'm, I do a lot of work in the vaccine world. We didn't talk about it today, but um, I have an eight part 
vaccine webinar series. Um, and we go through multiple subject matters within that because it's such a very large topic. And um, it is a topic that should be open to discussion. And I find that it's not. So I have therefore created these webinars. Um, the first one is on um, infant immunity, which I find is very important. It's mostly around children, but you can apply it to yourself too. But first one is on children's immunity, second, pregnancy and breastfeeding. Third and fourth is just on viruses and bacteria that we vaccinate more so in childhood. COVID is not on there because it was pre-COVID. Um, and then I get into aluminum and SNPs, genetic SNPs, because a lot of people say with MTHFR, I can't get vaccinated or there's something along those lines. I think you are absolutely missing the boat when you talk about MTHFR. There's a whole other slew of SNPs you should be discussing. So MTHFR should actually be left to the side and these other SNPs should be talked about. Um, and then I talk about safety, e efficacy, and science. Then I, my seventh one is about how to simply optimize your kid's health, like regardless of vaccination. How do we just help kiddos thrive? And then the eighth one is uh, myself as someone who, who offers vaccines in my office, because here in BC we can, what that looks like for someone who does vaccine optimization. So that's the eighth one. Um, and vaccine optimization in terms of working with people across the country is the topic that I usually work with patients, uh, consult with, um, because a lot of questions, there isn't treatments that are happening. It's more of a, a it's your, it's a consultation, a consult around your questions because mm -hmm. you find that no one is there willing to, or knows and allows for you to have a conversation. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't had an opportunity to do the webinar series, but um, just from what I've seen you post on social media and just seeing how you frequently speak at um, medical conferences about this topic, like yeah. um, anyone who's listening to this thinking like, oh, I'm interested in that. And like, is is this going to be a good fit? Like, I, I feel like you bring such a balanced perspective to things and like such a well-educated perspective to things mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. end of the day with something like this topic, in my humble opinion, like it really it really shouldn't be like, oh, it's like, is it a balanced conversation? It's more like, like what does the evidence say, you know? And then that's, mm -hmm. I feel like that's what you lead with from what I've gleaned. Yeah. So I, I think it's, um, yeah, uh, very, very, uh, it's great that you're offering that. And Thank you. Yeah. Watching it, it would be well served. I try to take the emotion out of it. It should be, you know, to have a conversation, yeah. take the emotion out because um, the emotion really gets in the way. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's tough to have a conversation and there's a lot of, you know, mentally there is for some people, it's a very, uh, brings a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, mm -hmm. fear coming from just having the conversation with someone, um, mm -hmm. and what that's going to look like and how they're going to be treated. And, um, no one likes to be shamed or gaslit. So that we just avoid the conversation, which is not helpful. Um, but, um, and I, should be speaking at first time ever is maps. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. that's pretty exciting. So that'll be in March um, in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not doing it in Florida because that's um, season for what happens out in Florida. Was it hurricanes? Hurricanes, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they've moved it from Florida to South Carolina. I so anyway, that's in March. So yeah. So hopefully then that also will happen um, 
in uh, California uh, the in September. But awesome. um, yeah, I'll be speaking there on this subject matter. Um, yeah, so MAPS, so those that don't know, Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs. So that's, um, and I just found out today that I am now a fellow with MAPS. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. The only one in British Columbia, which is pretty cool. All right. So I'll Trailblazer. be sharing that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it takes a while to be a fellow. I mean, yeah. you have to attend at least three times and you, you need to work with someone. And, um, but that finally got that finished that's COVID awesome. extended it for a couple of years. So, um, but yeah. So anyway, so that's, that conference is where get to be in front of tons of pediatricians and, you know, medical doctors and PhD and so forth. So, um, yeah. really honored to be able to go and, and do that. So, yeah, yeah. That's, awesome. yeah. that's, that's the big time in that realm. Yes, so, yeah. <laughs> this, sharing the stage with very, a lot of important people. So, Good. um, yeah. So I, I've, anyways, so that's coming if, if there's anyone that attends those, um, yeah, I'll be there in March. So, yeah. Wonderful. Great. Yep. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Dr. Bean. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation and yeah, always, always enjoy communicating with you. It's um, nice to actually get you. to chat with you again. It's probably not been since I visited you many years ago, but we've communicated, no. you know, through totally. messenger or whatnot since then. Yeah. But yeah it's been a really nice yep. to chat. So thanks so much. And uh, of course, thanks for having me. This is awesome. My pleasure. And uh, thanks so much everyone for tuning in and um, we will leave it there for now. So until next time, thanks everybody.